arrangements of songs, it's like, okay, where's it going next? And that's a wonderful blessing. Thank you, Emily. Well, we have been waiting all day. Some of you on the edge of your seats. I know I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to uh, uh, meeting Brother Tharp. We'd been months and months and months ago. Uh, I got a phone call. You were in Ireland at the time. And uh, I said, well, of course, we'd have you to come. And, and so now that day is here. He shared a little this morning. And this evening now, Brother Tharp, would you go ahead and come? And uh, Darren's down with teens. And so, Nathan, you're just going to have to struggle out, buddy. <laughs> come over with us if you want and sit. But uh, I've asked Brother Tharp to share the ministry, as we always do, and then preach the word, brothers. God bless you. Thank you for sure. Get this out of your way. There's a bottle of water there. Thank you very much. Well, good evening, church. Thank you so much again for your warm welcome. Thank you so much to those that worked hard to prepare the meal this afternoon. It was delicious. We really, my boys and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm sure I'll be hearing about that caramely delicious cake we had <laughs> all the way back. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Pastor, for allowing us to come. And again, thanks for your understanding about my wife uh, staying back at her home church. Um, allow me, if, if I can, just to, to take a moment. I'll introduce my family. Uh, although we are greatly reduced this evening. Uh, my name is Phil Tharp, and my wife, my best friend in the world, her name is Monica. Uh, she's originally from Buffalo, New York. And, uh, and then we've got six children. Five of them are with us, and one's with the Lord. So Darren's over in the teen class. Then after Darren, we have a little girl named... Uh, she's, <laughs> she'll for always and forever be my little girl. She's 11 now, <laughs> so Katie. Uh, and then after Katie, we had a little boy named Simeon. Simeon was stillborn. And he makes heaven a little bit sweeter for us. And we, maybe today, preacher, be all right with me if the Lord came back today. But uh, after Simeon, we had Nathan. And then after Nathan, we've got Lillian. Lillian's six years old. And then after Lillian, God gave to us uh, a little bit of good news. That's her name. Evangeline is her name. You'll meet her in the video and hear about why she's good news. And if you have any questions for me about the ministry or my family or any of that, um, I'll be back there at the table after the service. Uh, please do take our prayer cards. Um, we want you to take those. We've got plenty. Uh, take them and, and rem please remember to pray for us. Uh, pray specifically about a few things, if you would, please. Um, now, I'm going to mention a couple things about my video first. Uh, in the video, I talk about two occurrences. One is um, our VBS. The other is um, a music festival in our town. I'm going to update you on those now, and you'll, you'll understand why, because I refer to them in the past tense in the video. Um, <clears throat> The VBS, you'll hear about our first year. Uh, Pastor, this year our church held VBS without pastor present. Can you imagine? <laughs> so they did a great job. Of course, the fill-in missionaries that are there taking care of our ministry uh, ran that for us. But um, the first year you'll see in our video, we had a high day of nine children that came. That included uh, four of my children. Without our children in the country or present for VBS, uh, they had between 13 and 16 children there for VBS. So we're super excited about that about reaching those families, and please pray that the gospel be able to be brought into those homes and souls will be saved. Um, also, there was a traditional Irish music festival that I mentioned in the video. I'm, I'm updating you on it now because they expected 600,000 people to come to our town of 60,000 people. Uh, it's a, it is seven full days, Sunday to Sunday, um, of all just traditional Irish music. So, you know, that Celtic music that you associate with Ireland... Uh, it was seven days of that non-stop in the streets of our town. 
just, I mean, from age three years old out there playing the tiniest little quarter-sized violin to kids playing little the, the little tiny accordions and uh, to full-grown adults and bands and all. I mean, and then the f deeper into the mixture of hard rock with Celtic music and all that stuff. So there was both a family-friendly aspect to it and also a, a deeply Irish aspect to it with lots of drinking and hard cultural aspects. But they expected 600,000. We ended up with more than 700,000 people came to the town. And praise the Lord, our church was able to go through and not only play God's music in the streets, uh, but to pass out John and Romans and gospel tracts. And so what an opportunity. I mean, goodness, uh, a tenth of the population of the country comes to our town. I mean, what, 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 we'd be fools to miss that opportunity. So praise the Lord. Pray that the gospel be read, received in people's hearts, and believed and souls saved. Um, also, I'm going to ask you to pray specifically about something that's deep, a heavy burden on my heart right now. It has nothing to do with um, our mission field. Uh, my wife is from the Buffalo, New York area. Her home church, Center Road Baptist Church, has been 11 months without a pastor. Um, the pastor, because of health reasons, had to suddenly resign um, and very much needed. So, it was not, so this has been a big shock to the church. And as is the case with any church, 11 months without a pastor is, is very difficult. So... Um, please remember that precious group of believers and ask God, if you would, to uh, send the right man along that uh, his church there will be able to continue. Um, so uh, thank you for indulging my prayer request about that. That's Center Road Baptist Church. Now, without any further ado, I think our video is ready, so I'll show that now. And again, if you have any questions for me, um, see me after the service, and I'll be glad to answer those. Keith Gomez, pastor of Northwest Bible Baptist Church and president of Providence Baptist College. I'm coming to you today to recommend Phil and Monica Farm. Uh, they are outstanding members and missionaries to Ireland. Uh, they have established uh, New Life Baptist Church and have been there five years doing a wonderful job. Uh, their primary goal is, is to plant churches in Ireland and boy, what a deity mission area. Uh, also, his vision is to is to try to have a Bible institute and educate some of the converts. If you're looking for a good missionary in, in a needy area, needy field, such as Ireland, the Tharps are the folks you want to go with. In January 2014, our family arrived to the beautiful country of Ireland. We began serving with Bob and Kathy Zemeski at River Valley Baptist Church. It was there that we acclimated to the culture, served in music, youth ministries, teaching, preaching, and gospel outreach. God used this time to grow us spiritually and allowed our children to settle into our new life in this new land. After a year and a half, the Lord began directing us toward Ireland's largest town, Drogheda. With 60,000 people, there was no gospel witness in the town center. We started holding Bible studies in our home in 2015. Our group began to grow, and as we built relationships, souls were saved, and they were hungry for the Word. Hi there, my name is Abigail, or Abby. Um, I am 23 years old, and I've been saved since the 25th of July, 2015. Um, I met Pastor Phil and Monica a week before then, 
So I've always been exposed to the Word, to the Bible, to Christ, and to church, just in the wrong context, unfortunately. And I've always wanted to know the Word, I've always wanted a relationship with Him, but all I was missing was the simple message of the Gospel. I've gotten an incredible passion for missions over the last year or so, because learning more about it and seeing the power of missionaries going to places where the word is either preached in the wrong context or not preached at all, just plants these amazing, incredible seeds that go and water more seeds, and it's just fulfilling the mission that we've been given as Christians, and being able to learn about that over the last few years has been the most incredible thing ever. After leading Abby to the Lord, I had the privilege of baptizing her along with our daughter Katie. We continued our Bible studies, seeing more people saved and discipling believers. In 2016, our group prayerfully made the decision to form a local church in the center of town and New Life Baptist Church was born. The Lord continues to build His church as we reach out to the community in door knocking, ladies Bible studies, vacation Bible school, guest preachers that come in, special programs, and much more. Each soul saved is a miraculous labor of love. Some take years of hearing the gospel before finally trusting Christ as their Savior. This was the case with Deo. After four years of praying for his soul and witnessing and preaching the gospel to him, Deo was gloriously saved in May of 2019. We've had the opportunity to join other churches of like faith in larger outreach endeavors through musical Christmas programs where the gospel is clearly preached. This allows us to share Christ with hundreds who would not listen at their own door or attend church in the villages where we minister. In February 2018, the Lord sent us good news. Our daughter Evangeline was born in Dublin. God used her dual citizenship to provide a secure visa in Ireland which will last until we can legally apply for residency. This is a miracle only God could perform. Hi everyone, so my name is Asta. Um, I basically came to Ireland in 2009. I'm from a Hindu background and I came to know Christ uh, in the year 2012. So first time when I came to this church, um, I felt very homely. Um, it was like my second family. They have been so good to me. I remember I used to come to this church in secret. My family didn't know anything about it. And then due to some circumstances, um, I stopped going to the church because of um, my fa for family reasons for a few months. There was a lot of pressure. Uh, one day I realized I need my church family. I was missing them. I had to fellowship with them. I was desiring for that for long. So I left my home uh, one Sunday and came straight to the church. I remember my family came to the church and Pastor Phil uh, spoke to them. I was so scared, um, but I knew God was with me at that time. And after a few days, my mom asked me to come back home and told me that you can do whatever you want, you can go wherever you want. And uh, now I'm part of this family 
and I love them so much. Several children attended our first VBS. Among them, Gabriel, the nine-year-old son of atheist parents, came with his neighbors. Gabriel heard the gospel for the first time and received his very own Bible, which he hugged to his chest and exclaimed how excited he was to go home and continue to read God's word for himself. How precious to plant these seeds of truth in the hearts of children in Drahada. New Life Baptist Church is seeing growth both in number and in the knowledge of Christ. Our annual ladies' brunch has become a favorite avenue of outreach, and we always look forward to baking hundreds of Christmas cookies to be given to our local fire brigade, our police, and ER staff, along with gospel tracts and John and Romans. St. Patrick's Day is a perfect opportunity to get the gospel into the hands of hundreds of people at the parade each year. We just held our second annual Faith Promise Missions Conference, and God allowed us to take on our third missionary, the Alviso family, ministering in Toledo, Spain. God's pattern for missions giving works, and our young local church is excited to grow in our part of the Great Commission. Hello, my name is Stephanie, and I've been attending New Life Baptist Church for about two years now. A friend of mine invited me to the church, and I've never looked back since. I used to go to a church where um, the Word of God wasn't being thought and you didn't really get to hear the Gospel or the true Gospel and um, for that reason I became quite dependent on online sermons just so I could hear teaching and it's been such a blessing to be able to go to church every Sunday knowing that you're going to hear God's truth, that you're going to grow, that you're going to be convicted, that you're going to learn. And Pastor Phil and Monica have been such a blessing to me over these last two years. And I can't thank God enough for them. Because I did become quite hopeless at one point where I was just like, well, is there any church out there here in Ireland where, you know, at least in my area, where I can really hear God's word? And I'm so grateful. So thank you. The work continues at New Life as our replacements, the Boltons, minister in our absence. We are grateful for this and eager to return to our people and the work. Please pray for our precious church family during our absence. In August 2019, our small town will host an Irish music festival welcoming around 600,000 people from all over the country. This is an amazing opportunity for the gospel to be distributed in such a needy place. Please pray with us that God will do a great work in Drogheda and souls will be saved as a result of this outreach. So first of all, if you're already a supporter, thank you very much, because this is the best gift that I've ever been given, and um, because of your support, I get to have that gift, and I'm so very grateful. If you are considering being a supporter, this is what your support will do. It will not only grow the church, encourage missionaries, but it will also help us plant other seeds which is what we were called to do. I want to see other people have the same testimony because it's the best gift you could ever give anybody and Ireland is in need, in dire need of that gift. Missing those precious people. Uh, we are 
Uh, I'm split in three places right now. <laughs> I'm here, and then part of me is in Buffalo, and part of me is back in Ireland still. Uh, we love those precious folks. God placed... Um, it's hard, I'll be honest with you, church, it's, it's hard to be Phil Tharp, an American, in Ireland. Just, that's the hard, cold facts about it. It's hard to be that. Um, from a human standpoint, I tend to be impatient. Things take longer just going to the bank and doing a little bit of post office work and things like that just takes way longer in Ireland than it would here. Uh, so as such, it wears on me as an American because I look at things and I see, well, man, that sure could be a whole lot more efficient, or I could do that better, or I could tell them, you know. But you know what that is? That's me forgetting that I'm in Ireland not to be an American. I'm not in Ireland to be a Phil Tharp even. You know why I'm in Ireland? Because God called me there to be a Christian. Amen. He needs somebody there that can just be a faithful bit of salt and light. And uh, so I, I'm daily reminded to just um, forget who I am and remember who Jesus is, and that's why we're there. And after, after enough time of doing that, God has shown me that it really is the best place for us and placed a deep, abiding love in our hearts for the people of Ireland. And uh, yes, it will always be a, a shock to my system as an American to live in Ireland. I don't know if I'll ever be able to say Ireland is totally and fully home because America is my home. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But uh, I know our pastor does. <laughs> um, but what I'm trying to express to you tonight is that right now there's a church in Ireland that her pastor is standing in front of you. Can you imagine that? I mean, your church. pastor says, you know, okay, well, I'll see you in six months. Yeah, you're going to have somebody preach for you, and all, but you understand that's... Uh, so it's the system that God has worked out. It's the thing that we're submitted to, and I believe it's the best way. Uh, but uh, please pray for New Life Baptist Church. Pray for our family. As we travel around, we've got a full schedule. By God's grace, we'll be taking a little bit of time to indeed rest. That is what furlough means. <laughs> uh, most of the time is spent uh, traveling from church to church. We will be spending some time just focusing on resting in October. Uh, for about a week, we'll be just doing nothing, and I'm thankful for that time. So uh, just pray for our health, pray for safety, pray that God will raise our support. Right now, we're just over 80% of what we actually need to live and um, not be scraping the barrel every single month of the world. Uh, so please pray that God will raise our support to what he wants it at. We're going back in January, whatever the support is. So we praise the Lord for the opportunity to be here with family and to meet you folks. And I regret that you didn't get to meet the best part of me. Um, she wanted to be here tonight, but again, the Lord made it possible for her to be a big blessing to her home church. And you understand why uh, I pushed her to stay after me sharing the prayer request. So would you take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17? 1 Kings chapter 17, please. <clears throat> Everybody you meet is dealing with something. You know, we go from place to place and from, not to be a poet here or, or anything like that, but we go from face to face and people are dealing with stuff that you have no idea about, and I have no idea about, and you know, none of us are fortune tellers, and anybody that says they are is a liar. People are dealing with stuff, and Christians are dealing with things. And I'm here tonight to, to preach a message that the Lord has laid on my heart to, to preach indeed here um, 
First Kings chapter 17, we learn all about a lady here in this passage that the prophet Elijah meets. And in First Kings chapter 17, we're going to pick it up kind of in the middle of her story. And I'll reference the, the beginning part of her story in just a moment. But First Kings chapter 17, in verse 17, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. She said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. He cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Would you hold your spot there? We're going to look at 1 Kings 17 for the purpose of the message. But I'm also going to reference a verse that Brother Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1. Would you look at that with me? Romans 1. Hold your spot in 1 Kings 17. Romans 1 verse 17. Romans 1 verse 17. Give you just a moment to get there because I want us to read the verse together right out loud if you would be so kind to do so. And as you're turning there, I want to before I forget, I want to say thank you so much to Pastor Isaacson for um, tr- entrusting me with this pulpit. Thank you so much for allowing me to preach. It's a privilege and pleasure that I do not take lightly. So thank you. Romans 1.17, are you there? Say amen. amen. Good. Let's read it right out loud together, shall we? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You ever thought about that saying? The righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. I want to try to expound on that verse using this account of the widow woman and Elijah. In, this event, in the events of this story in 1 Kings chapter, chapter 17, we started in verse 17. The first words of that verse say some really powerful words. It came to pass after these things. You know, that's something that happens in our lives. It came to pass. All through the Bible, you find that, that simple. Uh, read through the book of Ruth, and you'll see multiple times. It came to pass, and they died. It came to pass, and there was a famine in the land. It came to pass, and Ruth suddenly had a Boaz. And you know, God works through those it came to pass moments. But this particular it came to pass after these things, I read this, and I think, I cannot believe what, just ha- what, what, what we read happened to her. I can't believe it happened to this lady. So who was this lady? Now, Think back, Bible story time, 1 Kings chapter 17, widow woman at Zarephath. Okay, here's the backstory. Elijah has just been fed by God using ravens at a brook called Cherith, right? God got all done feeding him there during a time of famine, time when Elijah needed food. God ministered to Elijah, the man of God, uh, separate from anyone or anything to prove to Elijah, hey, I, I can take care of you. Don't you worry, you're not alone, I can take care of you. And there's a message, message for men of God in that, and in, in any person of God for, for us. But then he moves him, he says, look, I've prepared another meal for you. 
another way for you to be fed. And what's happening here is we see it came to pass after these things. Uh, Elijah, he, in verse 9, it says, uh, God says, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. You know, and even that's just very God. I mean, first it's the ravens. He just commands ravens to feed a person. <laughs> I see ravens all the time. We call them rooks in Ireland. They're huge. They're scavengers. They're ugly. They're mean. They bully all the nice garden birds out of the garden. But he commands these birds to feed Elijah. He just, and notice in this passage, he doesn't send Elijah to the wealthy or to the well-to-do. He sends him to a what? A widow lady. Yeah, and again, that's just very God. So it's, you know, that's just proof that God's not needful of the things that we think he's needful of. Yeah. You know, he says, I'm going to send you to a widow lady and I've commanded her to take care of you. I'm going to send you to the one that society doesn't even feel they have any responsibility toward. Think, I mean, that's what was going on in this lady's day and age. She was an outcast, had nobody to provide for her. Do you understand that? We, and we see that because of her story here. You know, I don't really know if this widow woman knew if she was commanded or not. I'm not so sure she understood that she had this command from God to feed the man of God. I, that's kind of borne out in the, the, the story here because of her, well, her, what Elijah says to her, uh, because of her response about the, the, the cake that she's going to make. And So God says, I've, 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 I've commanded this widow lady there. She's going to sustain you. And Elijah takes his journey and meets up with this lady, and he meets her at the gates of the city. And she's out there gathering wood to make a fire, right? She's going to cook the last food that she has left. And remember, in this time, the land is in a very bad famine. Even the well-to-do in this area are struggling, let alone this widow lady who, who, if you know the story here, she has nothing to fall back on. She's already exhausted the Facebook post and the fundraisers and she's already exhausted the self-help seminars and the self-help CDs and she's already called her pastor and already prayed to God and she's about to bake her last bit of food and she's going to make a meal and herself and her son are going to eat it and then she has a, a, a forecast in her mind. There's no other possible way for us to get food. No income. No family's going to help us. I'm hopeless. We're going to eat this food and then we're going to starve to death. That's what she says. I've only got a little bit of meal. And, and understand here, verse 17 says, it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the same woman, and he falls sick, and he, her sick, his sickness is so sore that he's died. Notice in the passage here with Elijah, though, with the, the, the baking of the cake, just like God works with us, God comes alongside this widow woman in this passage, in the, not that Elijah was God, but God uses Elijah in her life to communicate something to us tonight. What does he ask the widow woman for? He says, okay, um, you can have, but you need to give me first. You can have, but you need to give me first. And isn't that just like how God works with us? You can have, but give me first. And he says, okay, but look, you're going to have to also, actually, you're going to have to give me what you think you can't live without. And then he goes even further than that. Remember, Elijah's asking for just a little bit of meal, a little bit, uh, just a cake. And she says, well, sir, a cake is all I've got left. I mean, if I give you that, we're, then we've already eaten our last meal and we're going to die, right? So God says, give me first, give me what you think you can't live without. And he says, give it all to me. Give it all. I personally believe, as the scripture bears out here, she made the cake, served it to the man of God, and then... Maybe in simple faith, I don't know, it doesn't really say how she went back and found out that the, the meal was not gone and the oil was not gone. 
But I imagine in my mind she made the cake, went and served it to the man of God in simple obedience, and then in faith went back to that barrel and looked, and there was just enough, just enough again. And every time she went back, now she, because now she had a house guest, another mouth to feed, right? She went back every time, just enough again. I think the next day she went back and, right, <laughs> looked again, and just enough again, right? Every time. And isn't again, isn't that just how God works? You never, rarely does he come into our lives and just say, there it is, all the blessings of your life, enjoy. Right? No. Requires a little bit of patience, a little bit of learning, a little bit of growth. So she has this huge trial of faith, right? She makes the decision, puts God first, and you know, that's a lesson for us. He really will take care of all the other things if we put him first. Amen? We've had this communicated to, to us many times in our Christian lives, and we, we come back with the verbal response, or maybe just the thought, because maybe you might be more spiritual than I am. We, you know, God says, do this, and we come back with that. Immediately, immediately we respond in our minds, and we say, okay, I know God's going to do it. Faith, yes, sure, sure, sure. But how? How are you going to do it, Lord? I mean, I know you want me to do that, but just how? Can you show that to me first, please? The answer simply from this preacher is, I don't know how. I can't tell you that. Whatever's going on in your life that is a trial of faith, I don't know how God's going to work it out, but if we have simple faith in God's word, he never fails. All I know is all things work together for good to them that love God. Amen? Amen? I, don't, I do know that he said he would, and if you and I will just put God first, we'll see it happen. So what we, many times we come back with the response, okay, all right, God, I understand you're going to provide, but... Can I wait until it happens and then put you first? You give me more and then I'll give you the part that would have been for you anyway, right? Doesn't work. God does not work with that kind of bargain. Can can I encourage you tonight? God doesn't work that way. You can't just wait until it happens. You have to put God first. So this widow is confronted with her test of faith and she puts God first and God shows up and blesses her. And You know, it's that point, but... That, that day as a believer when you launch out and you do something and you find out that God was ahead of you. Think back now in your lives. I'm asking you to engage in your minds with me right now because I don't know wh- where you are in life. I don't know what you've faced or what, what things God has brought you through. And I could share my, my testimony with you, but even that, I mean, you don't know me. I don't know you. So I want you to think back in your own mind because I'm remembering times when I've stepped out of the boat and the waves suddenly felt like cement. Do you know what I'm saying? Just... Times when there, it, it just, and it feels good to see what God does. It really does. I mean, prayerfully, most of us would have a testimony of something like that happening in our lives at least once, right? Where you did something by faith and you saw God work in a, in a powerful way. And, you know, it's at that point we'd like to just throw it into proverbial park, right? Whew. I did it, preacher. Finished the school of faith, Right? Play pomp and circumstance, I'll turn the tassel, and I've done it. I've trusted God. I've done the faith thing. I can sing about faith. I can talk about faith. I can read about faith. And, I, I, you know, I understand it because I did it once. And, well, it's true. Can we just leave it there? Right? I'm here to tell you tonight, that is not how God works. It's not how God thinks. We think in terms of graduation, but God doesn't. See, the problem is many times in our misunderstanding of how God works, I really do believe God would have you to know him. 
As you read through the scriptures, you understand what we read here in, in Elijah's life and in the life of this widow woman in 1 Kings 17. Yes, it's about Elijah. Yes, it's about a widow woman and her son. But it's really, for me and you, that's not just history. This, God is revealing something about himself. Paul wrote in Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 4, that the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. They're there for us, there for a purpose. It's not just neat history and cool Bible stories, although there's plenty of that. Everything's there for us to learn from. So we can learn about God in this passage. I think, regrettably, God's children can and do think things about God that just aren't true. You know, we mistake the intent of God. We can think God's doing something bad. We think God's, something bad is happening in my life when actually God's doing something good in our lives. I believe God tries to reveal himself to us in his word. And I, you know, I wouldn't say to you that God tells us everything. But I think God tries to reveal certain essential traits of his character. Things about his nature. I think he wants, under, wants us to understand that about him. He gives us passages just like this. So we can look at it and so we can see him. The story in 1 Kings, yes, it's about people, but it's about God. So what I'm asking you to see tonight is she goes from the, this horrible trial of faith where she's literally giving God everything and she's about to die and understand that, well, she goes from that to now her son is sick and does die. Same widow, same son. And this is heavy stuff. I understand that. But what I'm trying to have us open our minds and our eyes to is the fact that, you know, we see this and we see, wow, Elijah, what a man of God. I could never be like Elijah. You know, I just, yes, same God, same, you know, I've got the word of God in my life and the Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. I know I'm a born-again Christian, but surely I could never measure up to the faith and the power of, of, of Elijah. I mean, what a man of God. You know what, I see this story and do you ever look at the Bible and, and try to put yourself in the story as one or more of the people it's an excellent way to apply scripture in your life read the accounts of scripture and make yourself be that person think that person's thoughts walk in their steps see what they saw feel what they felt you know who we are in this passage not elijah we're the widow woman i'm the widow woman so are you we don't even know her name do you see that don't god didn't tell she had a name Surely, she would have been known. I mean, her son knew her name at least. Elijah would have known her name when they met. Real woman, real life, real needs, real son, real sorrow, real feelings, but we don't know her name. You know why? Because that's me and you. It's me and you. The, the, the fact is here, she goes from faith, giving, God the, 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 giving God's man the cake, she goes from faith to faith. Do you see that? And sometimes in, in our Christian lives, sometimes it's literally like that. I mean, just... But sometimes it's faith, and then we get to praise the Lord. God really supplied that, and we have a time of resting, and you know, we have that mountaintop spiritual experience that we all know and love, and, but nobody lives there. We can, we can dwell in spiritual joy, but reality is life has ebbs and flows. You know that better than I do. She goes from faith to faith. And that's how the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith. 
What's the message about tonight? It's just a simple thought that I'm trying to express to you from this story about how God works in our lives. He takes us from one trial of faith to the next trial of faith. And I want you to notice some things with me. God's taking her on this incredible journey. You might say, well, I'm not the pastor. It doesn't matter. She was just a widow. You might say, well, I'm not one of the church deacons, or I'm not on this committee or that committee, or I'm not not a Sunday school. It doesn't matter. She was just a widow. Please understand me tonight. I'm not denigrating or downplaying widows. In fact, the Bible tells us to honor them, supply for their needs. Quite the opposite. I'm exalting her, not to God's position, but lifting her up saying, look at her, how she was used of God. God rarely tells us at the beginning of a trial, he rarely does he sit us down, if ever, and say, all right, Tharp, I'm going to do this and this and this in your life. And, and you know, at this point, you're going to get deeply distressed. And right here, you're going to feel like you're going to die. And then right here, you're going to wonder, where am I even at? Rarely, rarely does God work with us that way. I think maybe if he did, I'd probably turn tail and run. But you know what? God doesn't work that way. We don't understand what God's doing. We don't see the whole of our lives like God does. We just, his ways are far above our ways. I'm asking you to think about the, the, the fact that there is more to life than what I see, what I think, and what I feel. Amen. Much more to it. There are higher thoughts that can be thought than mine. Higher feelings, deeper feelings than can be felt than I have, than I have ever felt. Understand that that's, I'm talking about God. So we get in this process, and, and, and the summary is that, that what God is doing in you, he's, he's taking us from faith to faith. And then if we understand the scriptures properly, the idea here is that it's not just from faith to faith and then done. What we're talking about is from faith to faith to faith to faith. Do you understand the idea? So will you remember with me how Jesus, after his resurrection, made the time to walk with two on the Emmaus Road. Remember that? Just after he walked on the Emmaus Road with two people. I want you to think about that time, where he was and what was going on, and and Jesus must have had so much to do. I mean, his time was severely limited at that point. So much to do, but even that's just very God. I mean, he's just never in a hurry. Everything's right on time with him. He's just, he, he, God always has time for you and he's always very attentive to me and to you. And, it, you know, it's almost like he's working with you like there's nobody else. If you take a look at your life and sort out all the drama feelings and look at the facts as it relates to God and God's working with you like there's nobody else. But there is others. See, it feels like there isn't, but there is. He is, God is absolutely involved in your spiritual growth. He's absolutely interested in leading you from faith to faith. But sometimes in the process of that journey, people don't understand what's happening, and we mistake the intent of God. We think things about God that aren't true, and we think God's trying to hurt us, and it's, it's, just, it's a very common way to think. But the common way to think in most, most Eastern religions is that if good things are happening to you, then, well, you certainly you must be a good person because life for you is good. Right? You must be a good person because life for you is good. And good things happen to good people. And if bad things are happening to you, then you must be a bad person and you must have done really bad things and you certainly must have done something wrong. If you're in the men's adult, Sunday, adult men's Sunday school class, we learned about that, right? 
You know, that's how most Eastern religions think, and, well, also most independent Baptists. I mean, we think if good things are happening to you, you must be a good person because God's blessing you, and if, if bad things happen, happen to you, well, you must be a bad person, surely. I mean, unfortunately, we are not far removed from that, that thought process. I mean, many times we'll look at somebody else's life and something horrible's happening, and we'll shake our heads and we'll furrow our brow and we'll th- you know, I'm too spiritual to say it, but uh, I think we can all see what's going on over there. Right? Don't make those kind of assumptions. I started my message tonight by saying a simple thought. You don't know what's going on in other people's lives. Those faces we come across, you have no idea what's going on in their hearts or in their minds or what they're facing. Same like they don't about you. Say it's what we're talking about here. It's the same thing that the disciples did in John chapter nine when they come across that blind man. The men in Sunday school learned about this. They say to Jesus, just as bold as anything, they say, "Now, which of these was it? Was it this man's sin, or was it the sin of his parents?" I mean, they're saying, "Surely it's one of the two. I mean, surely either he sinned or their parents sinned. I mean, look at him; he's blind since birth. Somebody did something wrong." And of course, Jesus answers back, and he's just like, you know, he is God. He, so he says in his Godhead, his Godship, he says, no, it wasn't any of these. It was for so God could get glory. So God could get glory. He's thinking, this is going to be well-pleasing to me. This is going to magnify my son. Can I ask you to think about what might be going on in your life? Could be purely just for the glory of God. You know, this is what happened with Job. I've read through the book of Job many, many times. Heard it preached through, studied it. I have never really seen any clearer answer in the word of God about what happened to Job, one who lost everything more than you or I will ever have lost. And all I can see is there in that book is that the reason Job suffered was so God could be glorified. That's it. If you know another reason, I'd love for you to come up to me and show me in the scriptures what it was because I may be wrong, but that's all I've ever seen in that book. And this is a common thing for us to misunderstand the intent of God. And we see that in this chapter. What God's trying to do is lead this lady and his prophet from faith to faith. I mean, think about, thinking about this biblical pattern, look at Abraham. Abraham, he had to believe that God was give him, going to give him a child beyond the age of fruitfulness. What a, what a prophecy that Abraham received about this. I mean, Even that, you can read about how Abraham wrestled with that. You can read about how this was a great challenge to his faith. And he was first called to leave a place that he called home. And he was was supposed to just trust God and not even have clarity about his destination. Then he's just supposed to walk with God and work it out and God would show him, right? So there was a step of faith. But then when he leaves, there's more to it. God doesn't leave him alone. So he says... You know, I'm going to give you a child and, and so on. And he, the process continues from faith to faith, right? So he then has to believe that God's going to give him a son. He, he wrestles with that and he even gets weak and tries to manufacture the working of God, right? Tries to manufacture the working of God. And can I pause for a moment and remind us, it's never wise to go down that trail. It's never wise to go down the trail of trying to manufacture the working in presence of God. If God's not doing it, it's better that it not be done than you try to manufacture something and call it God. Don't do it. Wait on God to do the thing in your life that only God can do. I've said to God, I've prayed. I've prayed, God. You need to save these people. Talking about Ireland. You need to build your church, Lord. I, I, 
It's, it's your power. I mean, I understand as a Christian, I understand my part. And I will, by the strength and grace of God, I will do my part. I'll be as faithful as I possibly can be. But I understand Phil Tharp cannot save anybody. Only God can do that. The, so the whole concept of the regeneration and the new birth and the spirit of God invading the spirit of man and quickening him and bringing him alive, all that's supernatural. So it has to be God. We need to do our part, but we need God to do it through us. See, Abraham, he just has to trust God that God's going to do something, but he doesn't know how, how God's going to do it. He just has to believe. So Abraham gets weak, and you know the story. He eventually gets his son. And there's this great graduation of faith that takes place, right? That's where Abraham probably would have liked to have left it. Remember? But see, but God doesn't leave you alone. Abraham's going to have to go from faith to faith to faith. Abraham doesn't know it, when he, had, when he and his wife are holding and caring for that precious little boy. But it won't be long before he'll have to walk up Mount Moriah in just a few years' time, and that's really going to test his faith. A place where God would ask him to sacrifice that very son that he had prayed for, that he had been promised by God. God's not going to leave you alone, no matter your age, no matter your station. No matter your walk with Christ, God wants us to continue to go from faith to faith. You are going to, te- to face these tests of faith. You know, I find most of the time for us as Christians, especially seasoned Christians, it can be in your family most often. Your family. I think we way understate this fact. I think, honestly, we need to talk a little more about that. Um, in, in Christian churches, in Baptist churches especially, I, I, you know, I realize, we, of course, we're all good independent Baptists here, preacher, and we all have perfect children, and all of our teenagers never really rebel or do anything wrong, and they'll all grow up and marry pastors and be pastors' wives and missionaries' wives, and we don't ever fight, and we're always sweet with our husband or wife, and we don't ever have problems with our kids and never have a problem with our spouse, and we all just love each other because we just all love Jesus. I'm being sarcastic a little bit. That's not reality at all, is it, church? Now, every Christian home should be a little slice of heaven. It it really and truly should. That's the ideal. That's what we should be working for. I believe it's more possible than we give it credit for in our Christian lives. However, we like to say that and portray that, and I've found that that's not everybody's family. There's, There's just some people that that isn't the way for them. Sometimes there are things that happen in our family and it really tests us. And I found in Christian ministry that it, nothing touches me more than my family. Problems in my family, nothing. Ministry is one thing and, and my personal life even, it, those are all, that, it hurts and they sting. But see, stuff can happen in ministry and it tests us and it breaks our heart, but it visits a whole lot closer when it's family. This situation with Abraham was family. Situation with the widow and her son was family. She only had one son. She'd already suffered loss. She was a widow. Remember that, that part? She was a widow, right? She'd already had to believe God, already had to trust. She'd already gone through this great triumph of faith with the, the famine and the food. She probably thought and hoped that that was the end of it, but God comes along and says, All right, no, listen, my dear, I love you, but there's more. There's more from faith to faith. Another thing's going to happen in your life. Her son gets sick and her son dies, and she mistakes the intent of God. Look at her words in verse 18. She says, O thou man of God, art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? In our modern day language, she's saying, What, in, what do you want me to do? 
What am I supposed to do with this? You, seriously, you came here to remind me of what a horrible sinner I am and you came to kill my son just because I'm that horrible? That's the idea of what she's saying here. That's a normal way to think. I mean, when we're surrounded, when, when in the Bible times, when you were around the presence of a prophet, there was a certain element of fear involved. There just was. I mean, you might remember when Samuel went to Jesse's house to anoint David. Samuel's going into the village and the elders see him coming. They go out and, are you coming peace? <laughs> Do you come here to take care of somebody or is this just a social call? So the people were thinking this way at that point in time. And so when this happens to the widow lady, she thinks, why did you do this to me? Maybe you've thought that. Ever ask God that question? Why? I mean, maybe you're doing better than I am spiritually. I hope you are. We're, we're real people, though, aren't we? Why, you do, why is this happening in our family? Haven't we been through enough, God? What is God? So she mistakes the intent of God. God. She doesn't realize God's going to take her to something greater. God's going to show her more of himself. I'm here to remind you tonight, God's going to do something amazing and quite miraculous in her family, and he wants to do the same with you. He doesn't want us to stay stuck in the same spot that we've been spiritually. God cares about this widow woman, and he cares about you. Please know that God doesn't just care about what you're doing for him. That, yes, what we do for God matters. If you're not involved in this local church, can I tell you, by virtue of my experience going from church to church, you're in a good place. You are in a, a good place spiritually, a place where you can grow if you really want to. There's room for you in this ministry. I can tell just by looking around. If you're not involved here, why? Get plugged in and grow. Grow spiritually. Maybe God will hurt you a little bit. Maybe you might face a test of faith. But man, weather that storm. Stay faithful and go from faith to faith. And right here would be a good place to do that. That's just your little commercial tonight. She says this this horrible thing. You know, did you call my come to call my sin to remembrance? But what's Elijah's response? The man of God takes the child and retreats to his room with this dead child, and he cries out to God. Basically, the same thing. He he goes and has his spiritually weak moment in private, as most pastors do. (laughs) God, did you? What are you doing? You brought evil upon this woman? I mean, is she really that bad of a... No, I mean, he didn't say that, obviously. He does say, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn? He says this, you do this by slaying her son? And again, that's just typically how we think. In fact, what God was doing, he was going to raise up that boy. The widow woman didn't know that, and Elijah didn't know that, but that's what God's plan was. And I think, you know, a lot like Naaman. I wonder what happened with Elijah after he stretched himself on the child the first time. You ever think about that? Oh, God, please send his tears. That pit in, in the middle of his stomach, that acid taste in his mouth from fear and adrenaline. Second time stretches himself on the child. God's growing the widow woman and he's growing the man of God from faith to faith. That's God's plan for this woman. That's his plan for our lives. 
Before, with the first test of faith, with the the meal and the famine and all that, God was the provider. But now, this widow woman is going to see him as the resurrector. Isn't that amazing? She'll see him not just as the one who can provide food for her daily life, but as the one who literally commands life and death. That's God. She'll see him as the one who can say to that departed soul, go back into that body and come alive again. So Elijah prays, and the Bible says the soul of that boy came back, and he became alive again. So, you know, we've got to, we've got to go through, and now everybody can see how great God is. And I finish it up by having us look at verse 24. I think it's amazing. It's my favorite part of this story. Verse 24. I mean, what an incredible journey here. And she says, her own testimony, she says, Now by this, I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Wait, this is one of those moments where I see the cartoon motion in my... Right? Same woman that poured the same meal out of the same barrel for the same last meal day after day after day after day. And the same oil out of the same cruise of oil day after day. We don't know the space of time between the barrel of meal and oil miracle and the sun dying. Just as, and it came to pass. After these things. So however long that was going on, that wasn't enough. It wasn't, she had not yet believed. How? I don't know. But, well, she's human. You ever struggle with belief? I know every Christian does. Every Christian does. Maybe God's put you in the test of faith that you're in or just came out of or are about to go into because you didn't learn enough from the first one. It just, it wasn't enough. See, the widow woman said, now by this. The first test should have been enough. It almost took her life and her son's life. But God seems to just know right where to push, just where to put a little bit of pressure on you and on me. And for that mama, it was the life of her son. And it meant she had to emotionally Lose him. She had to be willing to set him down. You know, she did set him down. She lost her son. And you know what? She says, because I've been through this, I can see it now. I understand. I believe. By this, I know that thou art a man of God. And that God's word, she says, is true. This is what God is doing in your life. Don't mistake the intent of God. Don't think God's trying to do a bad thing to you. In fact, God is trying to lead you and me on from faith to faith to faith. His plan is not to diminish, not to bring us to a place of graduation, but to enlarge us, enlarge us spiritually. It's not about something dying, although in this passage, someone did die. It's about something living because indeed he lived, didn't he? It's about you and me knowing that Knowing some things, but you didn't know that you didn't know before, and knowing that God will continue to lead us on that journey. Where are you in this story? Who are you in this story? Remember, I asked you to think about that. Who are you? Do you see yourself there? Do you see yourself in that faith to faith? Are you thinking about the things that God's trying to do in your life, the lessons He's trying to teach you? You understand a little bit more about Romans 1:17, the righteousness of God. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. How is God revealing his righteousness in your life? Can others see his righteousness in your life? Let's consider how we go through trials and understand 
to not mistake God's intent. Would you bow with me? Father, I thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for the scriptures that teach us so powerfully how we ought to live, how we ought to behave, how we ought to think, and how we ought to believe. Oh God, please increase our faith. I pray that if there's any soul here tonight that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I beg you, God, please convict their heart of their sin. Help them to realize that without Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they cannot go to heaven. If they die in their sins, that one might, might die even tonight, the Bible says. And life is so fragile, Lord, please help that soul to repent of their sins and be gloriously born again. I pray that if there's a Christian here tonight that's struggling Maybe they're in a trial or have gone through something serious. Lord, I, I pray that some lessons might be learned from your word. I pray that you've used or will use this message to encourage someone tonight. Please strengthen us and help us to go along in our Christian walk from faith to faith. In Jesus' precious name, Pastor, come.